From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. There are major changes afoot in terms of processing immigrants. The U.S. has seen increasing numbers of children presenting at the southern border over the past few years, either with family or without. Thousands of children have and will be shuttled into camps or a patchwork of foster agencies across the country. Even in the best examples, the children suffer from being separated from their families or people they know. Today on our show, we're with Bernard Perlmutter, director of the Children and Youth Law Clinic, to talk about how we got here and where we're going. Let's go to explain our producer, Catherine Skibb, for the interview. Good morning, Bernie. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Let's start with the caravan that's caused the most division. Many of those children are not likely to make it all the way to the U.S., but let's talk about those who do. What'll that look like? Well, it's going to be uh, a chaotic scenario, without any doubt. Um, We don't know the exact numbers of children who will make it all the way to a border crossing or will be apprehended between uh, ports of entry, but uh, it will be, uh, one could easily say and characterize it as organized chaos. And uh, UNICEF had said there are as many as 2,300 children in the caravan that left Guatemala in mid-October. What do those kinds of numbers look like as opposed to what they normally get on a day or in a month? If all 2,300 children were to be presenting themselves to U.S. authorities at the border, uh, then this will be a large, uh, some a number of children without, without any doubt. There are major changes afoot in terms of processing immigrants from the caravan and from other uh, sources uh, at border points and between border entry points on on the long U.S.-Mexico border, uh, there's no doubt that there's going to be a lot of challenges faced by these, these young people, their parents, individuals who are not parts of families who are entering. And that's why I called it earlier organized chaos. It's going to be a very chaotic scene added to the normal stresses at the border. Of course, we have 5,000 U.S. troops uh, deployed at the border doing God knows what. Uh, they're completely uh, you know, outside of their normal uh, uh, mission. Uh, and so will that inflame? Will that um, uh, you know, pacify uh, an already uh, difficult and potentially uh, uh, a, a troubling situation at the border, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we had a huge wave of, of children come in uh, under Obama, um, and we've had an earlier wave of, of children coming in uh, during the Trump administration. Is there a difference in how those two groups have been processed or how children presenting at the border have been processed under the two administrations? Yeah, some very significant differences. I mean, first, we have to sort of keep in mind that the current administration is is a wall-building, anti-immigrant, hostile uh, to uh, legal and illegal immigration entry into the U.S. anywhere it happens. So the wall-building rhetoric that uh, that this administration got elected on and has been campaigning on endlessly, that's, that's very different than what we saw before. Now, under the Obama, the predecessor administration, undoubtedly there was a, an, a robust uh, 
deportation removal policy uh, that was that was created and implemented during the Obama years, but it had a more human face to it and a less hostile anti-immigration face to it. So to give one example that relates to children at the border, uh, we saw in 2014 a, a spike of children entering from uh, three countries in Central America, the so-called Northern Triangles, Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala. We saw and the and the Obama administration reacted, um, maybe overreacted, but they uh, saw that this was a potential. They didn't call it invasion, like the current administration refers to it, but they saw this as as a challenge to uh, managing our borders. And so there were policies uh, that the that the administration was forced to uh, implement that was designed that was designed to. Uh, process children at the border in as humane a way as possible, uh, and at the same time uh, to send uh, a message to other children seeking or thinking about entering this country uh, in this manner. And so there was there was a sort of a policy of deterrence. Uh, uh, but the Obama administration had to follow an ex- a pre-existing body of, of law, jurisprudence. And they, they did so imperfectly at times, but the, the primary source of the, the policy that binds the U.S. with respect to the processing of children at the border is a 21-year-old uh, settlement agreement. Now it's 21 years old. Uh, it was uh, entered into in 1997. It's the Flores versus Reno uh, uh, federal class action, national federal class action that uh, sets forth uh, certain protocols for uh, how to process children at the border, primarily and initially unaccompanied children, but now it relates to children accompanied by parents or guardians at the border. And the the basic premise of Flores that uh, um, has existed for all these years is that children cannot be kept in secure detention for longer than a few weeks, 20 days. Uh, and uh, and so they may very well be kept in cages for a certain period of time, as it were, uh, maintained at, at the border by Border Patrol and by Immigration and Customs Enforcement. But uh, less restrictive forms of detention have to be uh, used in those, in those instances. And so uh, the Flores Settlement, which the Obama administration was dutifully following, uh, says that children have to be placed in federal foster care settings and the like, and eventually, uh, have, uh, and not for over long periods of time, and then released to sponsors, if not parents, uh, other family members, or other trustworthy adults. Mm-hmm. Trump administration, by by contrast, wants to just wipe it off the off the map. They want to eliminate Flores. They want to uh, through their zero tolerance. Uh, rhetoric and policy that they're attempting to, to push and, uh, and, 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 uh, and the like, they are seeking to eviscerate all of the protections that have uh, allowed children to come into the U.S., make a case for whatever immigration relief they, they can make a case for, whether it's political asylum or some other form of, of humanitarian relief. And that's now uh, very much up in the air and uh, being uh, questioned deeply by 
the immigration policy uh, team in the in the West Wing. Mm-hmm. So after the initial caging of the children from the last caravan, what's been happening in the last, let's say, month to children that are presenting at the border? Are they being treated differently than that earlier group? Will they be treated differently than the the children that may be arriving with the present caravan? Well, we, we, I'm going to assume that, uh, that, the, that the administration is going to do everything that it can through executive powers that it, that it, that it has uh, as, it, as it flexes its muscles in that, in that realm to, uh, to work a policy up that allows the federal government to indefinitely detain children um, in facilities that that are managed by the different federal agencies that are charged with the care of these children. Uh, it's it's hard to predict exactly what form or shape it's ha- it's going to ultimately have. There are proposed regulations on a, a number of fronts, both procedural and substantive, that are that are being put forward by by uh, by, by by the administration. But it, the idea of uh, the, the the motive. The motivations of the of this the impetus behind everything is to to say no and to you know turn a cold shoulder to these children. Uh, let me just understand this. So let's say two thousand children make it to the border. Um, we have to hear their claims, so we have to let them in. So we are letting them in to the country and putting them in in these facilities. We're not stopping at the border and go, no, turn around, go home. Um, So what, they have some legal protections at that point because they're now in the United States custody, correct? They have very limited legal protections, but let's say a child utters the magic words to an immigration officer, political asylum, uh, that that has to be investigated, has to be vetted by the officer. there are uh, standards that apply, and this is where the Trump administration is drastically different than all of the prior administrations, mm-hmm. including Obama. Uh, there, uh, the, the, the new uh, uh, policy that has issued from on high is you can only make your case, you can only articulate those words at a port of entry. Uh, you're forbidden from being able to assert that claim somewhere between a port of entry. So it's either Tijuana or bust, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so if you are able to uh, articulate a credible fear of persecution on account of one of the five factors enumerated in the Immigration and Nationality Act, uh, race, nationality, political opinion, membership in a, in a social group, and the like, uh, then it has to be tested uh, uh, in a different way than in the past. So credible fear was the prior standard uh, for vetting uh, a claim of asylum. Now it's reasonable fear. So the standards are being ratcheted up. The grounds for political asylum are being narrowed also. There's new DOJ policy that former Attorney General Sessions uh, issued uh, and so it's much, much, much harder to even be able to remain here, to be able to m- make a case before an immigration judge um, and uh, and have a fair hearing on, on a claim for asylum mm-hmm. than it was in the past. Miami, uh, for instance, absorbed 125,000 
uh, Cubans uh, after the Mariel boat lift. Um, so, what the what does that mean to a community? Can can other communities easily absorb these caravans of of immigrants? Well, uh, the numbers of course, the scale is is much less. Uh, maybe seven thousand, eight thousand persons uh, started out in the caravan in Honduras. Perhaps a fraction of that will will land. Uh, somewhere along the border, whether it's at a port of entry or between those points of entry, uh, it'll never, it won't be on the scale of 125,000. I mean, I want to put to, to the lot, you know, I want to, I want to sort of rebut as as strongly as I can this notion that there was an invasion. Uh, uh, there are mostly families, uh, children, parents, a lot of single men, undoubtedly, of different nationalities, most. Uh, from Central America, but not exclusively from Central America. Uh, contrary to the campaign uh, rally kind of uh, rhetoric that, that we heard endlessly and tirelessly uh, a few weeks ago, uh, there, there's no evidence whatsoever of, of saboteurs or ISIS or Mideasterners uh, infiltrating no, and George Soros isn't isn't masterminding all of this. Uh, uh, so we have to sort of keep this within boundaries of plausible uh, sort of fact based uh, logic and reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the the numbers are going to be much smaller than they ever were, and uh, and certainly every case will have to be uh, presented, every individual and every family. That presents to the board will have to be uh, uh, assessed on their own on their own merits. I suspect that the grand the the, the vast majority will be turned back. Well, that sort of segues us into the the midterm elections. Is that going to change the balance of, of our immigration policy? I mean, we've had two years of of Stephen Miller and Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions. Um, so with with the Democrats controlling the House. Are they going to be able to kind of ratchet us back to where we were before? I don't. I don't see us even with a uh, a government partly in the hands of the opposition party that we're going to have a uh, any kind of uh, immigration uh, relief on a grand scale. Um, and uh, those days are, are long behind us. We lost the, those opportunities. In the middle of the Obama years, uh, and I and I certainly don't see. Uh, well, there may be some pushback and some questioning and oversight from the Democratic House that there will be, and in the real, that the, the, there will be uh, an, a legislative push that really equals uh, what's going on from the executive branch. Now, the, the judicial branch is something else, and so thank. Fully, the ACLU and other uh, advocacy organizations across the country have been not shy about uh, challenging every uh, obnoxious uh, policy that that that, ex- that emanates from the administration within hours of 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 things being issued by executive fiat or whatever whatever means, uh, and so that's really where I hope even in the cases of of Trump appointments in the federal judiciary, that there will be uh, some questioning and some uh, oversight, serious judicial oversight over executive branch policy. There's hope. Um, 
Of all the children that have come through during the Trump administration, are you all seeing them here, uh, working with them at the clinic? Our clinic, the Children and Youth Law Clinic, does represent a fair number of immigrant children. Most of our clients that we represent are children who come through the border like uh, their younger siblings, perhaps, who are part of the caravan today mm -hmm. and will eventually present themselves uh, to the U.S. authorities. But our clients benefited from the prior administration's comparative humanitarian face and, and policy. So many of the clients that we represent were released to uh, family members or other sponsors. They have become integrated to some degree in our community. And many of them have uh, ongoing cases in, uh, that are uh, in allowing them to petition for ultimate immigration relief through, interestingly, the, the state dependency court as special immigrant juveniles. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's what we do day to day. We have not had much uh, involvement in the children locally who have been held in detention at a large facility that was reopened in Homestead. Mm -hmm. uh, it has up to, can house up to a thousand children. And uh, it's run by a large for-profit uh, company that contracts with uh, the Federal Office of Refugee Resettlement, which is part of the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, at any given time, there are several hundred children uh, housed there. Uh, and uh, so there, those children are kind of out of sight and out of mind. The media hasn't been able to uh, visit the facility. Uh, I don't know about other lawyers in the community who represent immigrant children. My colleagues at the Americans for Immigrant Justice and Catholic Charities Legal Services may have some limited access to those children to be able to assist them in making claims for political asylum or other kinds of immigration relief. But uh, there is a there is a large this is and this is one of the largest uh, facilities that's housing these children at the present time uh, in the country, and so there is some concern about what happens, you know, one day when they're uh, going to be able to leave that facility, if ever, uh, and where will they go, and where will they live, and with whom will they live, and how will they be. Uh, integrated into our communities in this state and other parts of the country. Um, anything you'd like to say in closing? Well, uh, we are, you know, this is, this is undoubtedly, and everybody knows, this is one of the most, uh, 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 you know, this is one of the key ways to inflame one segment of our population. The fear of, of, of people from other countries it was a big part of the last election. It will remain uh, front and center for many, many people in the electorate. But I think we have to sort of look at this through law and policy in a reasonable way, not be fearing and be understanding. You know, we're a country that's guided by those beautiful words of Emma Lazarus. Uh, we should be true to those, those. but I'm quite pessimistic that, that uh, current policy is even close to uh, maintaining any fidelity to the poetry of Emma Lazarus. Mm. Well, thank you very much for joining us and keep up the good work. Thank you. Thanks.
Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Explainer as we close out our first season. We're grateful to our listeners and the crew here at Miami Law that helps us put this together. We will be back with you in January as we drop season two with new issues, new guests, and new intro music thanks to Ray D. Kim, a composer at the Frost School of Music. Today's show was brought to you by Miami Law's joint degree programs with dozens of offerings from JD MBAs and JD MDS to JD LLMs, including arts, sports, music, and environmental science and policy. For more information, visit law.miami.edu. Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you.